right. Amen. That was a really great worship time. Did everybody enjoy that? Amen. Yeah. That, uh, that was a blessing. That was special. Okay, so <clears throat> we're going to go ahead and open up in prayer. You'll join me in prayer. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We just give you glory, thanks. We give you praise. We lift up the, the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. We thank you for uh, being with us this morning. Thank you for being good. Thank you that um, the creator of the universe um, is good. And that you've reached down to us in the person of Christ Jesus. Help us, O oh Lord, to take his hand. Help us to be a blessing to this area and help others to take Jesus' hand. Father, we just ask that you would move in a powerful way in our hearts today, in our lives, and that uh, that would just be like a river flowing up within us and overflowing to all those around us. Open your word, we ask. Teach us your truth in Jesus' name. <clears throat> so um, when I was in college, I have I have a brother, and he drove the pickup truck that I drove uh, to high school back and forth. Uh, the problem with this pickup truck is the uh, the uh, gas gauge didn't work, and so the odometer worked. Uh, you know, the rest of the gauges mostly worked or half and half. And so, how did he know when to get gas? Well, when he got low enough in the on the odometer after he'd driven like 130 miles, or whatever, he knew he was getting close. He needed to get gas. And so there was once that he was getting really close, and he and the gas station was about five miles away. And so he thought, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'll, 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 you know, I'll just do my best to get to the gas station. He had a couple dollars to put gas in there, and um, then he saw a hitchhiker on the side of the road. You know, he's got a he's got a good heart, a kind heart, right? So he wanted to help this guy out. And then he also had this ulterior motive where he thought, you know, I can also ask him to go ahead and steer while I push if we run out of gas, and that would be helpful for me too. So it's a win-win, right? And so he picks, he, he pulls over, picks up the hitchhiker. The hitchhiker really didn't want to have anything to do with conversation. So he just turned and looked out the window, and my brother tried to start a conversation with him, but he just didn't want to talk. He didn't want to pay attention. He just stared out the window. And then, so they drove another half mile or so. My brother, he, he noticed that the truck, which was a 65 Chevy pickup, the truck started to lurch a little bit. And so he was like, okay, I know what this means. We're, on, we're running out of gas. And so he tried to initiate conversation with the gentleman again, and the, the guy would just have none of it. And so Rusty was there and he's thinking, okay, what do I do? He's in high school now, okay? So what do I do? So he thought, you know what? The truck's got momentum. I want to keep that going. And so, but he probably didn't check the speedometer or maybe he just didn't know how fast the human could run. So, so at about maybe 30 miles an hour or so, he thought that was fine. So he opens up the truck door and jumps out so he can start pushing the truck, oh, right? Well, if you know anything about running, the fastest human alive can run about 25 miles an hour. And so Rusty is fast, but he's not that fast. And so down he went. And the if you could just imagine the look <laughs> on the gentleman's face as, as he hears air rushing by, he turns to look and to see no driver and the door swinging wide open. <laughs> and then he looks behind him. <laughs> and there's my brother Rusty who got up and he's running like this. <laughs> 
after the truck. So this got to be a pretty uh, a pretty impactful story for that man. And I would love to hear his side of it sometime. <laughs> um, I don't know if we ever will. But anyway, and then there was another story where I was driving to Atlanta, Georgia. And so going through a, just before Greenville, North Carolina, I think it was. My, my car, something went wrong with my car. I don't remember. It's 20 years ago. But anyway, and so I didn't know what was wrong, but it, it just wouldn't. So I went ahead and pulled off to the side of the road. And, you know, so I waited there. and wait, I didn't have a cell phone at the time. So I waited and waited and waited. And I was there for two hours, maybe three hours before even one car would stop and help me by letting me use their cell phone. It was getting dark. I was, I was getting a little scared out there. What am I going to do? Sleep in my car, right? We were in between exits. And, um, you know, there's, it was not the place to say, no, I was, it, was, it was not safe. There's no stability. I had no joy. I needed a mechanic. I needed to be towed to the shop. And you know what, the next day, so we were about five miles away. Somebody did stop, loaned me their cell phone. So I, so I, so I called and, um, and got the car towed over there. I was happy to pay the $300 or whatever to get my car going the next day. Happy to, happy to pay the mechanic. Next day I was back on the road, 75 miles an hour Georgia. <clears throat> So sometimes, just like that, we can get spiritually broken down on the side of the road. We can wind up in the ditch on the side of the road. Something's not working, right? We don't know why. Life's getting dark spiritually, and you need a spiritual mechanic. So that's where the sermon comes in, right? So we're going to show you the problem. Actually, it's not me. The Lord Jesus is going to show, if you're broken down, feel like you're on the, on, spiritually broken down on the side of the road, the Lord's going to show you how to fix that today. So Proverbs 9.8 says, <clears throat> Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. So even just a little word of correction to a scoffer, that person will hate you for it. But you can but rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Because, you know, how did he get to be wise? By listening to correction. By listening to rebuke. And so he may not respond appropriately right away, but you know what? He'll come around and he'll listen and he'll love you for the correction because that's how wisdom is gained. By accepting correct, that's Proverbs 90. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he'll love you. So don't get mad at me. I'm just a mechanic, right? It's your car. <laughs> it's your car. You know, that it's, so anyway, I'm just trying to help you get back on the road, right? And just like I was happy to pay that $300, um, if, if you accept this, then you'll thank me. You'll thank the Lord for getting you back on the road. Up to speed, 75 miles an hour for Jesus. Okay? And you know what? I think that you're spiritually, I think everybody here is spiritually wise. I just really think so. I just think that you're, that everybody here is wise enough to accept good teaching, so I'm, I think everything's going to go great. But you know, some preachers wouldn't challenge people along these lines, but there's going to be a day when the shame for not letting the truth all out is, is, is going to be present, and we don't want to be in that situation, so... We want, you know, we want you to know the truth so you can walk in the truth and have joy. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 10. If you wouldn't mind turning with me to Mark chapter 10. <coughs> okay, and we're going to pick up in verse 17. Mark 10, 17. Okay. Now, as he, Jesus, was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So this guy had a question. 
He had this thing that was weighing on him so much. He had this spiritual life itch, and he knew he was missing something so much so that he ran to Jesus. He heard about this teacher. He ran to him, right? And he knelt down before him. Now, there's other people on the road. This guy's got no shame. He kneels down on the road before Jesus and blurts out this question. This guy's not like Nicodemus where he beats around the bush and you know asks a couple questions to see what Jesus is going to say. This guy is so earnest that he goes right to the heart of his point. The big question on his mind. He was spiritually awakened to know there's an eternity, and he was also spiritually aware enough to know that he wasn't part of that eternal life. And so he just just zinged that question out, out straight to Jesus, right? He was spiritually broken down on the side of the road, and he needed the truth to get him back up and 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 and, and running, to get him on the right path. And so, so the first point here, this guy was so earnest. And you know what, Jesus, he gives him a good answer. He, like, answers him completely. So the point is, here, if you mean business about your soul, right, if you're in earnest and you really mean business, then Jesus is going to give you an answer. He's going to shoot a straight answer back to you, and he will be clear. And this is the and why is he going to be clear? Because there won't be anybody that stands before God in the last day and says, I didn't know that what I was doing was, was wrong. I didn't. No, 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 no. If, you're, if you want to know from Jesus, he will tell you. He will make it very clear. And then... The lesson to learn here is just like Jesus' mother, when Jesus was, um, when he made turn the water into wine, she said to the servants, Whatsoever he tells you, do it. Whatsoever he says, do it. This may sound crazy, probably will sound crazy, do it anyway. If Jesus says it, do it. So, okay, so, so he comes to Jesus and he, and, he, and he calls him good teacher, right? So the way he approached him here and how, how flippant he was with his good teacher, which was not a normal greeting to a rabbi back then just tells me that he probably chased a lot of teachers down. He probably got a lot of teaching from here and there. No wonder why he's confused, because he's getting all these things from different sources, right? So he blurts out, good good teacher, right? And, he's, and he asks this question. And so Jesus responds, right? So he says, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. What he's trying to do, he's trying to elevate his perspective of Jesus. And so he's calling him a teacher, a didascalon. He's not calling him Lord, Curion, right? So, he's, so Jesus is trying to say, look, you're approaching me in the wrong way. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm a whole lot more than a good teacher. You know, a teacher can dispense all sorts of things. You can, you know, take or leave, whatever. But the Lord of glory, when he dispenses a word, then, you know, it is, it is powerful. It is important. And so you're underestimating who I am. That's what Jesus is really trying to do. He was trying to bring up the guy's view of who he is, Right? And so then Jesus continues, he says, You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. So Jesus goes through the commandments, you know, numbers 5 through 10. Okay, Basically, the, the second tablet was about how to relate to other people, and the first tablet, commands 1 through 4, is how to relate to God. So Jesus names you know, the commandments in verses 5, or, you know, 5 through 10. And he says, basically he's saying, have, have you been doing these things? And the guy's like, yeah. And so there's some people, some commentators who say, that's not the point. Well, that's part of the point. That's part of the point. You can't, so this is, this is the reason why. So like taking in, 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 the, in the whole scripture, so I'll give you this, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And so, it's, so I guess my point with was, was, was going to, to this right here is, um, there really isn't a place in heaven if we can't figure out how to follow those commands too. There's really so in First Corinthians six nine through eleven it says, "Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God?" Right? For do not be deceived, neither fornicator, nor idolater, nor adulterer, nor homosexual, uh, nor sodomite, nor thieves, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. None of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. 
But such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Amen. and by the Spirit of our God. So, and so Jesus is Jesus is, is giving them that, and 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 the guy, and and so and so there's the Lord will help us live up to those expectations. He really will. He'll change us to be able to live up to those. But this guy says, no, 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 I'm good with that. I'm good with that. And he answered and said to him, teacher. Now this is interesting. So he, Jesus, to this, to this young, rich young ruler, Jesus started out being a good teacher. But now he's just a teacher. Okay. <laughs> so what this guy's really saying is, look, pal, you just got a demotion. You were good. You were a good teacher a minute ago. But now I just, notched, I just brought you down a rung. Now you're just a teacher. And you know, if you keep this up, we're going to drop you down another rung too. So he said, teacher. All these things I have kept from my youth, right? And so, and so he, he's saying, I've been obedient to these things, right? Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. He loved him. And he said to him, one thing you lack. So everybody say one thing. One thing. There is one thing that this guy was lacking. So the way Jesus handled this is just really, just really so, so amazing. He didn't call the guy out on the thing that he was lacking. You know, but he told him the prescription, the remedy. And so it's kind of like this. If you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you have this issue called blank, and this is how you fix it. Eat right, exercise, do whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like Jesus just didn't say what that thing was. He didn't say, basically what you're missing is that you didn't obey the first four commandments, and especially number one, you shall have no other gods before me. That's what was really going on here, but that but Jesus knew his audience. He knew that this guy was more of a scoffer, and he would just strike down any accusation that he didn't live up to that too. And so Jesus said, the one, there's one thing you lack, and he didn't name what it was, but he gave him the remedy. And so he says, and what does that mean? There's one thing that you lack means that, you know what? There's one thing that you've fallen behind in. There's one area that you have failed at, right? There's one area where you have failed at. And then he gives him the remedy. Go your way. So whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me interesting that come and follow me both imperatives so this is the Lord of glory giving a command to this spiritually stuck man right who had just demoted Jesus from good teacher to teacher and so <clears throat> so a couple points here you're loved by God even if you never make it to heaven even if you don't make it into the kingdom. This guy, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And the guy turned around and walked the other way. We'll see that in a second. And so we can, you know, we can receive God's love um, without being in the kingdom yet. But it's the point of it is to draw us into his kingdom, right? And then point number two, when Jesus speaks, it is God speaking. So Hebrews 1 says, let all the angels of God worship him. Are the angels of God going to worship something that's not God? No, they're not. And they're directed, they're commanded to worship Jesus. And so when Jesus speaks, it is God speaking. He is not a teacher. He is not a good teacher. Contrary to what any philosophies out there say, that Jesus is a good moral teacher, just among the other. No, 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 no. He's not a teacher. He's not a good moral teacher. He is the Lord, the Lord of glory. And his word is powerful. So when Jesus gives a command, it's the imperative. It's, it's not optional. It's just really not. It's, it's required. And so if you're spiritually stuck, then there is, I, I guarantee you, based on the scripture, that there is one thing that you're lacking also. And I can guarantee that that's the first commandment. There's an idol. Sometimes we 
arise, arise idols in our heart. Sometimes, because you know what? We're, so we're going to get to this in just a second. I'll, I'll get to that in just a second, okay? So Jesus says, come and follow me. And he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So he just turned into Pigpen from Charlie Brown. All of a sudden, you know, Jesus gives him this answer, and this cloud of gloom comes and overshadows him, and he just turns into, into Pigpen, you know, with this cloud of gloom, and he turns around, sorrowful, and he went away, right? He came in earnest, and he left in anguish. All of that really because he didn't understand who he was talking to. He thought he was just a teacher, like all the other teachers. He could take advice and leave advice and just... You know, stay in the you know spirit of confusion. But when you but when the Lord of Glory puts His finger on something, it's 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 required that we deal with it, right? Okay. So. Okay. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, "It's all of a sudden teaching moment, right?" Jesus is like, "Okay." The disciples are probably staring at each other like, "Oh my goodness, what just happened? This is what was that, right?" And so Jesus takes this as a teaching opportunity, looks at his disciples and says, How difficult it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And you want to know what's interesting about that? So before, the verse, the verse before talks about possessions, and a couple verses later it talks about, you know, riches more like money. But you know what? This word right here, you would think that it would be the word for possessions, but it's not. You would think that it could be the word for riches, but it's not. The word that's used here in verse uh, 23 and 24, the word that's used there is number 5336, but basically what it is, is is something that can be useful, something in your hand, it comes from the root word of hand, something that you have in your hand that you can use, you know, to go ahead and make a living, or to make things work out for yourself, or or, or whatever like that, right, and so um, it's, it, it, it's something that you lean on, that you trust in in life, and, and, and Jesus clarified that too a minute ago, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches who, to enter the kingdom of God, it's not just having it, but it's trusting them. But the thing is, the, what perplexed the disciples here is that everybody's got something. They're like, okay, so this guy with his money with Peter, he's got a boat and with Matthew, he's got these skills. For, everybody's got something that they're holding on to, that they're leaning on, that they're trusting in to get them through life. So who can be saved then, right? Because everybody's got something. So it could be, it could be intellect. I, I know people that are just so proud of being smart, right? And that's, and that's keeping them out of the kingdom of God. So this guy, so this guy thought that, well, I'll get, but back then, uh, having money was a sign of godliness in general. If if you live God's way, you would probably, you know, amount amount with money. You'd probably build money up, right? And so to him, he didn't understand that that was. He looked at it like that was the blessing from God. But what he didn't understand is that was the one thing because he idolized it in his heart. That was the one thing keeping him out of the kingdom of God, right? So everybody's got something in intellect, or it could be the power of persuasion. Or it could be strength or skill, or it could be beauty. You know, women use beauty to get what they want also. Whatever it is in your hand, that you're using it to trust in in life. And you know what? It's not just those type things. It can be it can be sin also. It can be alcohol. Maybe the thing that you trust in is getting home and being able to, you know, use alcohol as, as your go-to. Or maybe it's computer. Maybe it's computer pictures. Maybe it's secret sins. Whatever it is, it's the thing that you that's in your hand that you go to, that you trust in to get you through life. Right? That's what Jesus is talking about. So the disciples were astonished at his words. They were like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Then Jesus answered them again, and he emphasizes the point and even strengthens it. He says, 
children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And then he gives an example. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of an animal. The biggest animal that you know about to go through the small space that you, that, that you know about. It's easier for that to happen than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished. Different, it uses a different word there even. It, it, and, and it uses the word greatly in front of it. So it's, so it's like at that point they're like, you know, pit. They're like struck. And they're, whoa, I didn't even understand that. That is, that is that mind bomb right there, right? I didn't even get that. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? Because everybody's got something that they're leaning on, right? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. So there was a, <clears throat> there was a lamp that this guy found. He rubbed the lamp, sure enough, the genie came out of it. And so he asked, so the genie said, I'll grant you one wish, anything you want. You just name it. Anything, anything in the world. You, you ask, I'll give it to you. And so the guy thinks about it. He says, you know what? I live in California, but, you know, I really like Hawaii. The water there is just great, and, you know, the people are nice, and great. The weather, climate's just awesome. I'd like you to build me a highway from California to Hawaii. And the genie's like, man, you know what? That How difficult that is? The, the cement, the logistics, the distance. That's, that's impossible. You ask for something different. And the guy scratched his head and he was like, well, okay, you know what? You know, you know something else would really help me out in life is if I just understood women. If I, if I understood women, then I'd really be able to you know, navigate better in my relationships and stuff like that. So help me to understand women. So the genie says, let's get back to that highway thing. Did you want it, did you want it two lanes or one lane? <laughs> and so, but with men, it's impossible. There's a different definition of what's possible and what's impossible with men and God, right? And so, with men, it's impossible. It's impossible to what? To let go of that thing that's in your hand that you're trusting in. That, with men, that is impossible. It is crazy impossible to even fathom letting that thing go. You can't let it go. But with God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not most things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Then, hold on. Yeah, so God will help you to let go of whatever it is that's in your hand so that you could just topple that idol down because you can't get in the kingdom of God and have an idol there. So here's another spiritual rule. Spiritual rule number one, Jesus must be in first place. He gets the highest priority in our lives. And if that happens, you'll have great joy. Spiritual principle number two, if you're stuck and lacking joy, it's because you messed up on principle number one. Jesus is not in the highest priority in our life. And so we, we fix that around. We have to take that idol down. It's impossible to do on our own, but the Lord will give us strength to go ahead and topple that thing down, and then we'll have joy. Then we'll have rejoicing in Him. This man, he wasn't trusting in riches to get him to heaven. That, was, that would be ridiculous. He wasn't trusting in, in riches to get him to heaven. He was trusting in riches while he was here. Riches were the thing that he leaned on, right, to get him through the day, to get him through life. And Jesus was saying, by the way, can I mention something else about this? So when Jesus tells him, um, back in verse 21, he says, Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And so this guy said, How do I get into heaven? And Jesus says, I'll one-up you. I'm giving you insider trading kind of information here. Not only, if you do what I say, it's not only that you'll get in heaven, but when you get there, then you'll have crazy riches there. So if you want to, you know, it's not, I'm giving you the insider scoop so you can not just get in, but you can have treasure up there too. And so that's what Jesus was trying to do for him, right? He was, he was giving him all the answers. 
All the guy needed to do was elevate his, his um, estimation of who Jesus was and follow through with what Jesus said to do, right? And so the Bible says, if riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. It's okay for riches to increase, but it's not okay to make an idol out of them, right? Don't trust in them. Disciples were greatly astonished. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so, and okay, so then we're going to go ahead and keep, finish going through here. But then, then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed. So he began to say to him. So he didn't even follow through with the thought. But what Peter is really getting at is, hey, what about us? Are, 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 are we going to make it? Are we even going to make it into heaven? I mean, it sounds so difficult. It sounds like we can't even make it. And so Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has, say no one. No one. There's no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospel. That's self-sacrifice, right? If you're, if, 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 if you're sacrificing you know, yourself from those relationships that you enjoy, that you're blessed by, that you're benefited by, there's no one who's left those things for my sake in the gospel. People leave those for other reasons. They leave them for self-glory. But Jesus is saying, if you leave those things for my sake and the gospel's sake, then it, there's no one who has left those things who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. That just means an abundance, a super abundance in this time, right now. Houses and brothers, sisters, mothers, you know, children, lands, with persecutions, because we're in this world, and in the age to come, eternal life. So Jesus is saying, yeah, you're going to get eternal life, but you're also going to get a huge blessing here. Everything that you gave up here, you're going to get back in abundance, right? All those relationships, God's going to rebuild them, which is, which is kind of like Abraham when he brought Isaac up the mountain. And God restored Isaac to him. And so it's like, whatever you give to God, he's going to restore back to you, right? Okay. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And so, do not correct the scoffer lest he hate you, but rebuke a wise man, and he'll love you. So I just, so if you accept this, then you're going to thank me later. You're going to thank the Lord for getting you back on the spiritual highway of life, right? Because... If we're spiritually stuck, then there is something in our hearts that we have elevated above the Lord Jesus, and we need to topple it down. And if you just think for just, I mean, just take like 10 seconds here and, and let that germinate in your mind, and God will put his finger on exactly what that thing is. Why? Because he wants you to know. Because he wants you to get over it. He's pulling for you. So so something, just just a little just a little tidbit. Um you know how, you know, God so loved the world is the agape word, right? Like, kind of, almost kind of like you, you love somebody even though you don't really like them. But I came across this other place where it says that, you know, if, if we believe and accept who Jesus is, that, that God loves us with the phileo kind of love, which is like the, you know, like, I think you're cool. I think you're neat. I like to hang around you kind of love. I just thought that was really neat that when we actually come to God, that love switches and goes all the way to phileo. But anyway. And so, um, and Revelation 3.19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So if God loves us, then he'll correct us, right? And if we're corrected, then the purpose is to get us to repent, to get us to change ways, right? And so I did want to just contrast this real quickly with, the, with Zacchaeus. And that's in Luke 19, verses 5. And we're just going to read 5 through 10. And so this, this, this young man, he couldn't let go of what was in his hand that he was trusting in. 
And so he went away sad and gloomy. But I want to show you what it looks like when you follow through and you obey what Jesus says. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Right? And when Jesus, verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, Zacchaeus, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Notice the word joy. And when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be guest with the man who is a sinner. Okay, no big deal. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Notice he doesn't call him teacher. Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. He repented right there. And he restored, right there, made restoration right there. And those are the signs of entering the kingdom of God. That's evidence of salvation, right? And Jesus said to him, he did this with joy. Nobody twisted his arm, nobody forced him to do it. But he did this with joy, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus was just reading the signs. That's, that's an easy one to pick up. You see somebody who is a sinner, who turned away from their sin, who repents and who restores right there and has joy in doing it, it's not hard to put your finger on that and say that's salvation. Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then one other verse that I'm going to share, John 8, 34-36. So this is about whatever is in your hand that God's asking you to let go of. Verse 34, Jesus answered them. 8 John 8, 34. Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever practices sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. What, what that means is um, when the kingdom of God shows up and Jesus comes down, the one who's practicing sin doesn't stay. They go away. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That's how God does it. He makes us free by giving us the power to let go of that thing in our hand, to topple that idol and put him on, on the throne of our lives. So <clears throat> my job as a watchman is when I see you in the ditch to warn you, right? The righteous will listen and they'll use it to get themselves out of the ditch. The wicked won't listen. And that's okay. Either way, I've delivered, I've delivered myself. And so... We're going to go ahead and, and if you're not a Christian, then um, just what Jesus told the rich young ruler, come follow me. That's the call to you. He's the Lord of glory. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good moral person who's out there. He is the king of glory. He is the Lord of all. He is the author and finisher of the faith. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he's calling you to himself. So we're going to go ahead and pray. And then we're going to have a dismissal song, I believe. <clears throat> and so, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, the one who um, protects you, who guides you, who teaches you, who gives you love and peace, then come to Jesus. He's waiting for you. He's inviting you. The invitation is open, and it's an imperative that you come. He's holding the door open. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. This long period of time, like a year, God's just waiting waiting for more people to come in. Later there will be the day of vengeance of our God, but right now is the acceptable year of the Lord. 
The door is wide open. All you have to do is believe and come to Jesus. And so if that's you, just ask him to forgive you. Tell him you want to follow him. And ask him to help you. Tell him that you want new life and the joy that he gives. And he will give it. And if you have something in your hand that you've been trusting on, if you're a Christian and there's something in your hand that you've been trusting on, and God's putting his finger on that right now in your life, in your heart and your mind, that thing's been destroying your soul, and it'll end up in um, really bad destruction. So you have to let go of that thing. The kingdom of God is reserved for those who choose Jesus over everything else. Come to the kingdom of God. Let go of that thing. Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. He says to destroy it, to throw it away, to pour the bottle out, whatever it takes. Do it. And you will have joy. You'll be back on the spiritual highway of life at 75 miles an hour today, right now, just like Zacchaeus. Heavenly Father, seal your word to our hearts. Help us to not get entangled with the false teachings that are out there that lead us, that lead people astray. Help us to listen to Jesus. Help us to hear your voice because we're in eager and earnestness to make sure the condition of our soul is good in your sight. And we need joy. Those things that were in our hand before, we don't want them anymore. We want you to lean on you, to hold on to you. And we ask that you would be king of our life. We praise you, we love you. We ask for your joy as we do that. Send us out with your blessing. Bless your people today. Thank you for each one who's here. Protect us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Not to Jesus surrender all to him